Hi everyone, I'm Greg Lambert. It's April 1st and this is Jackson Walker Fast Takes. Today I talk with Jackson Walker partner Scott McElhaney about the CARES Act and some of the things that businesses should think about in regards to hiring and termination of employees. Well, Scott, first of all, thanks for talking with me today. Uh, my pleasure. So there's a lot going on in the major legislation which has passed over the past couple of weeks. And one of those is the CARES Act. And it has some rules in regard to hiring and termination. Can you lay out a few of those considerations that employers need to think about right now? I'd be happy to, because really the way that employers are handling their employees is really driving a lot of the benefits available under these new laws. Mm -hmm. So as everyone probably saw last Friday, I think it was March 27, Congress passed and the president signed the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Securities Act. That spells out CARES. That's why it's called the CARES Act. The act has a number of sections that make assistance available to businesses and to workers as well. What I want to talk about, though, what's going to be important to understand is how the benefits available under the act are conditioned on employment, because that's really one of the aims of the act is to encourage maintaining employment. One of the more significant parts of the act and one that's received the most attention in the press is the availability of about $350 billion in forgivable small business administration loans. And this is known as the Paycheck Protection Program. And what that part of the CARES Act does is it makes loans available to small businesses. And those are businesses with 500 or fewer employees. There are some affiliation rules. So if companies, if separate companies have common ownership or common management, they might be aggregated and therefore not eligible for these loans. Eligible companies can get up to two and a half times their average monthly payroll costs up to $10 million. And the permissible uses of the loan are for payroll and other compensation costs, mortgage interest, lease payments, utilities, and a few other smaller items. What's nice for the employers is there's an immediate deferral of repayment for between six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. And the best part is the loan is going to be forgivable. And the forgiveness of the loan is going to be excludable from gross income. But the forgiveness of the loan is really only for payments that a borrower makes during the first eight weeks of the loan for payroll, mortgage interest, rent, and utilities. And the hook for employers to make sure that the money is being used for the employees is the loan forgiveness is reduced in two ways. It can be reduced in proportion to the number of full-time equivalent employees uh, that are laid off as compared to certain earlier periods. And it's also reduced on a dollar-for-dollar level for any reduction in employee compensation that's over 25%, but that reduction is really only measured for employees who make under $100,000. So the goal there is really to help encourage smaller businesses to pay rent, pay other expenses, and most importantly, keep people on the payroll. This will definitely encourage employers to try to do that. There still will be some businesses that just might not be able to manage it. Other parts of the act provide increased unemployment for workers. But again, this small business loan program is really designed to encourage companies to keep people at work or bring people back to work when they can. Okay. Probably worth also mentioning, there's a separate loan program for larger businesses, for businesses between 500 and 10,000 employees. 
that's the the formal name is the Economic Stabilization and Assistance to Severely Distressed Sectors of the U.S. Economy. And I don't think that has a snappy acronym. <laughs> but the idea is to give money to the Department of the Treasury to make or loans to airlines and cargo companies mm-hmm. and to companies related to national security interests to allow them to remain liquid. So there are a couple other goodies in the CARES Act as well. I already mentioned unemployment insurance, but as to employers, one is the employee retention credit against the employment tax. Okay. And basically what that means is if you're retaining your employees, you can get a credit for 50% of the wages paid between March and the end of this year, up to $10,000 per employee. And that's a credit against employment taxes that are otherwise owed. You also get a delay in making your FICA tax deposits to the government as well. Now, Ashley Withers is going to be doing a podcast uh, that's specifically focusing on these tax provisions because, as you might expect, uh, there are some details there that are probably hard to go into in just a, a short podcast like yes. this one. The other thing I think I'd mention in the CARES Act, really two other things to keep in mind. First, the CARES Act makes it clear that if an employee had been laid off after March 1st, and they are ultimately returned to work, then the employee may immediately be entitled to paid sick leave and paid family leave under an earlier act. Um, That was the Families First Coronavirus Protection Act. Yes. So if an employee had been laid off and comes back, they may immediately be entitled to that sort of leave. But you should remember that uh, that had a tax credit against the payroll tax otherwise due for the cost of any paid sick leave or family leave under under that act. So there's a tax credit for the cost of that leave. So to try to minimize the burden on businesses. Well, Scott, thank you very much for breaking that down for us. My pleasure. Thanks again to Scott McElhaney for joining me. For more information and additional JW Fast Takes podcast and webinars, visit jw.com forward slash fast. The music is by Eve Searles. Follow Jackson Walker on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This podcast is made available by Jackson Walker for informational purposes only, does not constitute legal advice, and is not a substitute for legal advice from a qualified counsel. Your use of this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and Jackson Walker. The facts and results of each case will vary, and no particular result can be guaranteed. Thanks for tuning in.